to another episode of Cherishing Scripture Podcast, a podcast where we are changing society by cherishing scripture. My name is Zach Taylor, and I'm here today with Jeremy, Nathan, and Dr. Bailey. How are y'all doing? Great, man. Doing great. Doing well. How are you? I'm doing well, doing well. We are back again uh, in our newly uh, remodeled and still in the process of remodeling studio. Uh, we're excited to uh, see the finished product, but we had to take a couple uh, weeks, maybe a month or two off. And yeah, maybe a couple months. Just a little bit. <laughs> couple months, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, took a couple months over. off. Uh, we patched, textured, and painted the walls. Uh, not much else to do. I think we're going to do an accent wall. A uh, nice little table in the studio and then call it a day there so i'm excited to see what all happens here it's looking nice everything's on a boom yeah Much now we have boom mics we're not all sitting around uh holding some mics like we did when we first started you know i was thinking well first of all i'm glad y'all took the video down jeremy but yeah. <laughs> i was thinking about that video we did the first time and the picture of me just slouching and holding the mic on my chest and how awkward it all looked and now we're slowly bit by bit building our studio up and it's it's exciting so I'm excited to see what the Lord does. It's crazy how much it changed. It's almost been a year since we've first started. And we all got beards now. So yeah, four four very wise looking men here. Yeah, <laughs> with beards. That's why beards, we don't video because exactly. they don't want to see so, us. Well, but some it's of exciting. Us have beards now. Some of, some of us have, have beards. Some of us have patches. I won't say who has the patch though. <laughs> Jeremy. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. So I'll give you a hint. It's not Jeremy, myself, or Pastor Rayleigh. But right. uh, who it is, Ouch. I won't tell you. Now. Uh, back to uh, the subject at hand, we are actually going to get back into a verse-by-verse going through books of the Bible, uh, which I'm excited about. Uh, we did record at one point uh, a podcast for this. Uh, the book of Galatians is where we'll be. But just due to sound quality and everything, we decided not to post it. So we're going to uh, rerun that one and go through it now. So I'm excited to see what the Lord has for us. Uh, if you look down at Galatians chapter 1, verse 1, it says this. It starts off saying, Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brethren which are with me unto the churches of Galatia. And then it continues, Grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. So that's quite the phrase. And then he ends this little introduction with verse 5 that says, To whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. It's a great introduction. Yes, uh, it's is. a very Paul-like introduction, and not to run too many rabbit trails, but uh, one thing you can notice is if you go through all the books of Paul, they all have a very similar intro, except for one that people try to claim to be Paul, which probably wasn't Paul, but uh, we won't get down that uh, rabbit trail this early in the podcast. Yeah, I agree. I don't think Paul wrote Hebrews either, brother. <laughs> Pretty convinced that's the case anyway. It is a great book, the Galatians. Yeah, we actually went through it on our Wednesday nights yeah. and uh, I enjoyed it so I'm excited to talk about it Galatians can make you an expert on debating the Pharisees and the hypocrites that's for sure I've yeah. encountered quite a few since that it's one of Paul's more severe books he, uh, he sure has a, a you can really sense you know from the the choice of words and the language that he uses and such there's a lot of uh, passion behind the things that he's saying in the book of Galatians you know beginning you know with that incredible statement there in verse number six where he talked about those going after another gospel and uh, that's referring to a false teaching a false gospel and then you know down in chapter number two he's uh, talking about those compelling uh, folks to be circumcised and things of that nature so this is a, a really really strongly worded rebuke I think the whole book is a very strongly worded rebuke and it really tracks back those who are falling into the sins of the Judaizers and so on and so forth, adding works to salvation, dangerous practice. 
In verse number one, um, Paul goes into uh, basically giving a, a short version of his testimony, not of men, neither by man, because Paul obviously was not looking to change directions as a persecutor of the church and Christians. He was not looking for a different religion. He had his religion. He had the religion of the Jews, in which he was a highly prosperous man. He he had his prestige. That's right. Then that little tag at the end, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. That's the only stamp of approval you need in the church, in, in Christendom. The fact that Jesus Christ is our stamp of approval. If we if we have been received of him and we receive him, that's that's the qualifications. Yeah. Yeah, and I think something else you can notice about this book once you read through it. Uh, one thing I've uh, started to do, especially in New Testament, I'll say it's a little easier for me than it is uh, in the Old Testament because of the length of the books. But in the New Testament, I found myself liking especially with the book of Galatians, I like to read through the whole book one time and then read through it slowly and study it. Because I believe if you read the whole book, you can get the attitude uh, behind it. Uh, And then once you understand the attitude and its motivation behind it, then you can go in and really dissect the verse and read it as if he wanted it to be read. True. Uh, Because like uh, we've said, this is an epistle, which is translated a letter. So this is meant to be read in one sitting. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, uh, oh, of of course, on a podcast format, we're not going to sit here and read the whole uh, text. But I encourage anyone as we go through this before uh, you start listening to the podcast, really, and diving into it, read through it yourself and see what you think. There's been times when when we've done verse by verse and stuff here in our church where I've actually read the whole epistle Mm -hmm. in, in the first, like the first exposure that the church has to the book there's been times you know especially if it's something like this you know five chapters where I've actually read the whole letter and just mm. said you know tonight's the first message in the book we're just going to read the book uh, we've done that on a couple of occasions and uh, you're right I mean it, it was a letter it's really unfortunate that you know that our preaching methods these days you know even though I really approve and advocate the verse by verse methodology at the same time uh, these these letters were not intended to be broken up by chapters and verses they were intended to be read and consumed all in one sitting of course we we don't have the luxury of uh, enough time to do that in one church service now. There's just too much material there. So I'm thankful for the chapter and verse divisions, but it is a letter and would be helpful. I agree a, a thousand percent with that, that it would be helpful for people to read the entire letter in one sitting. And uh, it's like I said this morning, I think I made a comment this morning about, you know, trying to get away from the practice of, of the one chapter a day devotion, you know, because you don't really get the continuity and the flow of a passage unless you're reading eight or 10 chapters a day. You, you're missing out on the, you know, the context contextualization of that passage yeah and that's uh true i mean if you ever hear someone that takes a verse completely out of context most times it's because they don't know the attitude of the whole scripture i mean uh, there's even verses in here you could take out of context and make it to say what you want for instance uh, one of the most popular verses in the world philippians 4 13 i can do all things through christ which strengtheneth me yep. which is a great inspiring verse but then if you read uh, and it's meant to be an uh, an inspirational verse but if you read the verse you realize that it's not talking about some like superhuman strength or anything like that he, he's talking about when he's going through things and when things aren't going his way and uh, keeping going uh, and being a missionary and all those things, what he was talking about. And he was saying, I can do all things. That's right. And so it really changes. And I think if you read this whole epistle, you understand one thing is Paul definitely had a love for these people. Uh, and he was a very passionate person. And uh, he knew that there were some problems there. And he uh, wanted to do his best to take care of those problems. Because you know this book wasn't written out of hate because later Peter uh, considered Paul a brother. Right. And in this uh, book, chapter 2, verse 11, he says he withstood Peter to the face and told him he was to be blamed. 
Right. So uh, it was a love and a care. And it's the same thing you would do with someone that you care about. If you see them going down a path that isn't good for them, you would go and withstand them to the face, get in front of them and tell them, hey, you're doing the wrong thing. And that's really what Paul did here in the book of Galatians. Yeah. And one of those verses that's taken in Galatians that's taken out of context is this whole concept of falling from grace. And our Pentecostal brothers and sisters who we love and have a lot of respect for, they, they take that to mean that you can lose your salvation. But leaving that verse in its context, he has it has nothing to do with losing your salvation. It has everything to do with the reality of departing from the fundamental doctrines of grace, the grace, faith, salvation model, and going into a legalistic, works-based religion. And that's what he calls falling from grace. So falling from grace taken out of context is very dangerous. And that's not what he intended for it to be uh, in the book of Galatians or any other passage that he reads from. Since we were talking about Paul and uh, his writing style and things like that, I saw a post the other day on Facebook from uh, one of our um, Hebrew Roots Movement friends. <laughs> she she said, um, "Don't don't let Paul interpret the Old Testament law and prophets. Let the Old Testament law and prophets mm. decide what Paul is saying." Uh, what are you, what are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, I mean, I got to tell you something. There's no expert alive today that was as well versed in the Old Testament as the Apostle Paul. And so, did he have a bias? Yes, he did because he became a born again Christian, a New Testament Christian. But that does not um, uh, that does not uh, uh, completely negate everything that he had in connection to the Old Testament. You know, when I was when when I was in Israel recently, <clears throat> we went to a, a, a series of catacombs, uh, which was the burial the the uh, method of, of burial there. They would uh, bury a body, and leave it there for one year until it had turned uh, until it had really really dehydrated and dried up, and then they would take that body out and and put it in a bone box, which might be the size of you know maybe like two feet by four feet type of a box. Um, that was the final burying place. But we found the place uh, when I was there uh, I pointed out to a to our tour guide that uh, the we found the the location of the burial the burial place of the daughter of Gamaliel and I was amazed when I found that because Gamaliel is the uh, he is the actual teacher that the Apostle Paul sat under uh, during his Old Testament experience days and so and and they as I understand it from the writers that I've read from the uh, the books I've read uh, that the Apostle Paul would would have had the equivalent of at least two or three people PhDs by the time he was 21 years old, wow. sitting under Gamaliel. So he was an expert in the Old Testament law. There's no right. doubt he was an expert in the Old Testament law. But her bias, whoever this this precious person is you're talking about, her bias is that she sees Paul as an enemy of the Old Testament. And neither Jesus, John the Baptist, Paul, John the Beloved, or any of those guys ever claimed to be debunking the Old Testament. They right. didn't say that the Old Testament is to be discarded, but the Old Testament has been fulfilled. And so, uh, you know, her struggle is that she she is afraid that New Testament preachers, New Testament apostles are misrepresenting the actuality of the Old Testament. And even today at Brandon Baptist Tabernacle, you know, we do not believe in the ceremonial law of the Old Testament, but we still believe in the moral laws of the Old Testament. Right. So there's still some lingering and abiding effects of the Old Testament, even in the New Testament church. Hmm. I've heard other people argue that there's actually I saw an article uh, where people said that Paul um, even tried they think that Paul not only goes against the New Testament or the Old Testament but go against the New Testament as well so there's a lot of people that are trying to attack and hurt Paul yeah yeah they don't approve of Paul and you know that comes out in that first line Paul an apostle not of men neither by man but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead uh, Paul's apostleship was always in debate because he was not one of the original 12 that were called he was constantly being, uh, I guess you could call it ridiculed, or he was constantly being... Uh 
examined because his apostleship was not during the earthly days of Jesus Christ. And so that oftentimes in his in his epistles, when he opens up Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, he's actually uh, speaking in defense of that apostleship. Right. And I think that's the case here, too. Otherwise, he, we, you know, there's nothing for us to hear. Yeah. If he's not an apostle, he's not qualified to be, uh, you know, part of this chorus of New Testament writers that give us our Bible. Right, and he's writing to the Galatian church, and they they uh, really didn't want to hear it if he wasn't an apostle. No. Now, that's something that I find interesting. Verse 2, uh, he says to the churches at Galatia. Now, uh, with that verse, I'm assuming that means there wasn't just one set church in Galatia, but rather right. there was multiple churches scattered throughout. That's now, right. was Galatia considered a country was it a region or it was kind of regional it would be like what we would classify today you know we live in brandon most of us do you live over in plant city and you live in bloomingdale i guess but most of us live kind of in the brandon area mm-hmm. but then what is our county we're all in hillsborough county that's kind of galatians would be kind of like galatia would be kind of like the county and there were multiple churches in that area or in that region so would paul be considered the the overseer of these churches you know as an apostle he had the uh he had the the apostles excuse me the apostolic succession of divine authority and the apostles are the only ones who shared that that breaks down after the death of the final apostle the apostle john and this is a controversy that really has come up in a lot of churches Uh, the whole concept of pastoral authority is destroyed when you take away apostolic succession now there are some pastors today that they're so strong such strong authoritarians that they believe that apostolic succession exists and that they have inherited that authority from the apostles Hmm. we don't teach that at our church we believe that the once the apostles died that apostolic authority authority ceased with them. There is now pastoral leadership, but the only authority that a pastor has is when he's preaching and teaching what the apostle said. Otherwise, he has no authority at all. Mm. And uh, that that really kind of goes against the grain of the the way a lot of pastors operate these days. But that authority subject uh, rested with the apostles. And Paul was able to exercise that authority because he had been called by God specifically as an apostle. It's kind of funny. You know, it's actually reminding me, I won't say the name of the preacher, but you were talking with us at dinner about a pastor that put some poison in a drink and asked one of his staffers would you drink it and the guy said if you told me to if I'd you drink tell me it. to I will put strychnine in orange juice mm. put strychnine <laughs> in orange juice as a as an illustration and the illustration was that you know sin kills sin sin can uh, sin can poison you that was the illustration so he had this little glass of orange juice and he said before the service we put strychnine in this orange juice and he said now any anybody here that would drink that knowing that would be a fool that was the illustration mm. if you dabble in sin you're a fool if you consume it and so he had his staff member sitting on the platform there with him and he just turned to one of them and he said brother you wouldn't drink that you wouldn't be such a fool as to drink that would you and the guy said if you told me to i would pastor what yeah <laughs> yeah that's a pretty uh that's crazy that's pretty outrageous pastoral authority yeah well <laughs> pretty outrageous but the pre you know the prophets and priests of the old testament are not the pastors of today right the apostles of of the of the early church you know the first century church are not the pastors of today pastors are a different breed by themselves and they don't have that prophetic authority that apostolic authority or that priestly authority that they had in the old testament and then that straddling you know between the old testament and the new testament they just don't have it it's just not yeah i know somebody in scripture but paul did have it and he's qualified to say he does he's an apostle I know somebody that um, defending that. Yeah, I know somebody that's 
told me once he said uh, that apostles still live today and that uh, Paul started by passing his apostleship down to Titus before he died and all this stuff like this. And I'm like, that's kind of crazy. Not true. Well, Zach and I, we were in a meeting, uh, actually a really great preacher, good guy. We were down in St. Petersburg and he kept talking about the apostle Mark, the apostle Mark, the apostle Mark. He was just, you know, just misstating. You remember that, you know, there is no apostle Mark. Yeah. John Mark was not an apostle. You know, mm-hmm. when you talk about the apostles, those are the ones that are in Matthew chapter number ten, and that's it. You know, plus Paul. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then yeah, and then so there was a succession there when Judas hung himself. You know, of course that, that made eleven, and eleven's not a good number in Bible math. And so they had to replace. They called it the bishopric of Judas. So in the book of Acts, early in the book of Acts, they cast lots, and the lots and the lot fell on an individual that they wanted to name to be that. Wealth apostle, and there's some debate about that, about whether or not that individual was the will of God, or should they have waited until the apostle Paul was called, and the apostle Paul would have taken that twelfth position. You know, there's some debate about it. You know, you know I could kind of see it from both sides, but I tend to lean towards the idea that when the the local church nominated that gentleman to be the new apostle, that that was the one that God blessed. Yeah. But people have debated that. Wow. But there's no doubt, regardless, the Apostle Paul was a legitimate and actual apostle. Yeah. I like your illustration this morning right, about the uh, apostle that was going to raise the body from the dead. Oh, but there insane. was no. I'm like, that's crazy. People fall for that all yeah. the time. It happens. Time. It happens more than we can more than we can imagine. Little old ladies and people who are following after these people that are claiming to be apostles and claiming to have miracle power and resurrection power and healing power and a thousand other other different powers that passed away with the apostles. Yeah. You see, that's the key to this whole thing too. And I know we're running out of time here. We got like a minute left, but that's the key to this whole thing too. That if if there's still apostles here today, then there's still healers, resurrectors, exorcists, so on and so forth. But when the apostles were gone, those things ceased. Right. And most of the people who believe in the uh, most of the people who are what we would call non-cessationists, who who still believe in the gifts of tongues and so on and so forth they also still believe that the apostles um are still on earth today that's a dangerous belief yeah john was the last one that's the bottom line do you think you can separate the church age into a two separate dispensations like one being uh the apostles and, and the gifts of the apostles and then if it ceased it would begin something you know different my understanding from 1 Corinthians 13 is that when that which is perfect has come, that which is in part shall be done away. And the term, therefore, done away or disposed of, uh, the best way to illustrate that is it's like a battery. Mm-hmm. You know, you have, if you have a little toy or a stopwatch or some kind of an electronic device that has a battery and you start it and never stop it, it's going to stop by itself. But when does it stop? When the battery runs out. And the best illustration I ever heard about apostles and the gifts of the Spirit and all that kind of stuff as far as the sign gifts are concerned was that God put a battery in it and he turned it on and, and when it ran out of battery, it died. And so I don't think there is a separation but in, as far as dispensations are concerned. I don't think that there's a division inside the church age. However, I do think those early gifts are when I was a child, I spake as a child, I thought as a child, I understood as a child. But then when the church matured, when I became a man, put away childish things. Mm-hmm. That That's the interpretation of that passage of Scripture. So it's not a dispensational divide, but there is a maturity divide that happens during the church age. So for instance, instance and let's just use Haiti as an example if the gospel was coming fresh to Haiti could those childish things still be used you know I don't think so because I believe and and again this is something that's being debated 
I believe that that which is perfect is the Word of God. Mm-hmm. Right. So they said, when that which is perfect is come, that which is in part shall be done away. I believe that that's the completed, canonized 66 books of the King James Version of the Bible. But there are some people that believe that that which is perfect is the beginning of the church, or when that which is perfect is come is the, uh, the, uh, the completion of the miracle ministry of the apostles. I think all of those have a, a downside to them except for the idea that that which is perfect being the word of God, the completed canonized scripture Hmm. is what brings maturity to the church. So we don't need tongues and healings and prophecies and sign gifts, even in Haiti uh, when we, when we can just take the completed word of God down there. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. I think this is going to be a really good book to go through. Um, We're going to hear a lot about the term grace uh, and you're going to see that in verses four, uh, three and four, when he talks about grace be to you and peace from God, the father, and from our Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins and he reminds you of where your salvation comes from, where this grace comes from. It all roots from Christ. And I think that we're going to see as we explore through this book uh, that Paul wants people to tap into that grace that they've been given. Absolutely. And enjoy it. Enjoy the grace of their salvation. Absolutely. Uh, so I'm excited to see where it goes. Uh, I'm glad we could do an introduction to this again. Take yeah. two. Hopefully it sounds a lot better for you guys. Uh, but thank you for listening in to another episode of Cherishing Scripture Podcast, a podcast where we're changing society by cherishing scripture.